and action. Oh. Ooh, a little, little bit in the lower register there. We don't hear those. <laughs> I changed up the keyboard. Play a, a couple bit. of those low tones again. Oh, the bass. It really comes out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're jamming. It's there. Jamming this week. Welcome to this week's um, Theo Pop Culture Smackdown, yes. where our term is sacrament. Sacrament, yes. Yes. What? Is can you remind us in case we were all doing some sleepwalking this week? I know the semesters, <laughs> the semesters getting on. The spring is a harder semester than the fall, wouldn't you say? Um, I, I think it definitely. is in some ways. What do you think is the hardest part about it? Because I've well, got ideas. I, I just think that the kind of the energy in the fall of a fall college semester is just like you know. There's a reason I'm a professor and I want to be in college forever. It's because coming to campus on the fall is an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. But the spring is mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, okay, mm-hmm. can I get through this? I got to get through this. So. Um, remind us, what is a sacrament? What are the sacraments? Yeah, so a sacrament is, for Christians at least, a kind of a ceremony or some sort of um, ritual that um, as students learned in the lecture this week mm-hmm. um, imparts or gives the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether or not it's baptism, and, and most churches share a couple of sacraments in common, um, and then or most churches share a couple of rituals that are considered to be sacraments, mm-hmm. baptism and communion or the Lord's Supper or mm-hmm. Eucharist. Um, and then, although some churches practice them, they don't call them sacraments. It's a long story. We'll get to that. Um, and then for Roman Catholics, there are, and and the era of the church, the Western church that we're tracking right now, there are actually seven. And we talked about those earlier in the Need to Know More podcast. So yeah, this idea that God establishes and grants grace Mm-hmm. in part through, in partnership with human action mm-hmm. is really extraordinary. And it's kind of a, like, I think about that when in, in Matthew 28, when, when Jesus says, go and make all disciples, baptizing mm-hmm. them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like the idea of sacraments comes with that, this idea that when you go into the water or have the water sprinkled on you, whichever way you do it, and then you come out again, yeah. you're not the same thing after wow. that. So the idea behind that is that you have received the grace of God in a way that only the church can give to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I think that's kind of mystical and mysterious and well, there's, amazing. There's something really special. Just I'm just fixating on that phrase you just used, something only the church can give to you. It reminds me of this a conversation we even had last semester for those who will remember about like, is there anything in your life that only Jesus can explain or only yeah. God could have done Ugh, for you? That, wow. And it's, it's really hard because it forces you. And like to ask that question, oh, students, is there anything in life that you could, is there anything that you are getting from church that you can only get from church? Mm, you know, and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the sacraments start to now get into this serious um, kind of category because yeah. depending on the kind of church you go to, there are certain kinds of churches where it's not like you can't just like take, you can take communion in, in your house. You could have the juice or the wine and the bread and however yeah, you do it. Yeah. But, in certain settings, like you're not really doing it. Like that's something you can only get, right? Yeah. Or you can't just like pour some water on yourself and be like, I want to be renewed, oh God. It's like, that's not the same as being baptized. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, and to be clear, churches who practice um, and have sacramental theology or this theology around the sacraments, they they believe that it is Christ working through the body of Christ on earth. So the church is, is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, so it is something that you only receive from the church and it is also Jesus. So it's right. really crazy when you think about, so I, I grew up in a tradition where 
it was very casual, like how we treated right. the elements. Like oh, I remember I have this memory of my husband and I were foster parents um, before we were um, biological parents. And this one time we were, at, it was the end of a church service and we'd done communion and our foster son and a couple of the little girls from the church were, um, they had run and found the communion like dispensary uh -oh. where there's like all oh, these no. little tiny cups no, 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 and no, they no. were they were drinking them like they were doing shots, you know, <laughs> but they were like four years old. And oh I, you know, obviously That's it's good. pretty funny. There was a woman in the congregation that was highly scandalized by that. But, you know, depending on what you think about the sacraments, can, that may or may not feel sac, you know. Can I? Yeah. Can, can I, I just, I feel so, I feel compelled almost as if by Christ to share a certain story. Oh, right please. Now. I was once at, I won't say where or when it was a long time ago. I used to be a pastor yeah. and I was at a church and <laughs> I, love I was kind of like, we had some, some young men running the sound, the sound booth okay. and, the, and, and the screen, you know how you go to a church and sometimes they have like lyrics projected up yeah. on the screen or the pastor's preaching and there's like yeah. a screen and this was not a very big church and it wasn't super fancy, but you know, it had a projector and a totally. screen and stuff and we had a sound booth in the back and everyone's watching and the pastor's preaching and there's some slides there. Yeah. And suddenly up on the screen, there's like a video game starts playing with like people like shooting aliens all <gasps> over the place. And everyone like stops and the pastor turns around and looks at the screen. <laughs> and then everyone looks at the sound people and it just keeps going on for like seconds. Oh seconds. no, oh no, that's an eternity. I run back there, we realize what's happening. These young teenage men who are running the, <laughs> these boys, they were actually playing video games on the computer, but what they were doing was using a setting which would like freeze the screen oh, on the no. sermon thing. Oh, but no. the, it had a timer and it ran out, but they were playing a video game on the church computer. <laughs> That's so funny. And it was projected up on the thing for like an excruciating <laughs> amount of time. See? And people were mad about it, but it was actually like, once you got past the shock of like seeing That's aliens being shot up on the screen <laughs> in front of the church, it was amazing. See, <laughs> citizens of Theo, this is what I say to you. You're never going to find awesome stories like that until you go to church. So this is a reason why you should go to church a lot because you don't want to miss that stuff. That's so funny and fun and what a good story. You're telling it probably 20 years later. It's I, it's just, it, you're downing the shots of the communion. Just reminding <laughs> so me of that. Cute. And I just had to, but you know, something like that, like even dropping the host or something like mm -hmm. that in a setting where that's seen differently. Oh boy, you're in trouble. Would actually be a little something different. It's not quite a sacrament to have the sermon notes up on the screen, but it's kind of like a contemporary church sacrament in a way. Yeah, you could yeah. Say. But, Some people have the sermon. But you know, but world. this can be this can be very serious. You know, like you want the moment, the ritual to really go the right way, less the spiritual power of the moment. Right. Um, which leads to our uh, artifact. Yes. For the, do you have an artifact for us? Yes, this week? I do. Um, I bring to you a reliquary, a golden Ooh. reliquary. Um, I've got a link to that on our, our little this. page. This is, um, and it okay. is, hold on here. Just make you, this it's, is uh, yeah. Our Lady of Mercy Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, and there's a really great little explanation of what relics are. Yeah. What, what, are, what is this? What, what are they? What does it say? Yeah. So a relic, well, I'll just read it right off the, the website. A relic is a piece of the body of a saint, an item owned or used by the saint or an object, which has been touched to the tomb of a saint. Mm -hmm. And basically the idea is those types of objects have spiritual power, mm -hmm. godly spiritual power. Mm -hmm. So this idea of a relic, it actually, um, precedes this era that we're talking about um, by a lot. Like there are 
people who argue for relics will point to passages um, in the Bible that mm-hmm. talk about like objects having power after someone is dead. Like a famous example of that comes from the book of Second Kings, where Elisha is um, he he's died and then he's buried and then um, oh, yeah, great yeah, story. yeah. Well, you know this story, right? They throw a man's body into Elisha's tomb and then the body when he when they touches the body touches the the bones, mm-hmm. then bam, he's raised up again. So this idea that like even in death, there is spiritual power, it actually goes back to the Bible. So, um, but we thought, because actually a student wrote to us oh, and said- this was a student request. Yeah. Don't said, say we're not responsive. If out of like 28 of these, we took a request one time, <laughs> it's pretty responsive, okay? It was a great question. A student wrote to us and asked, will you talk about whether or not physical objects have spiritual power. And so this I is thought the to do it. we're going to be talking about saints mm-hmm. and reliquary, or we're going to be talking about relics and reliquaries. So let's mm-hmm. talk about whether or not this, let's Ooh, debate this. This is a fascinating one. This I'm very, very excited very about this conversation. Three minutes for one side, the pro. Yes. Three minutes for the con. Five minutes of open sparring and discussion, followed by the reveal, what do we actually believe yes. the question just reviewing the um sometimes it's like a ritual on its own to just review how something's going to go even yep. if you already know yep yep there's so value in that I right just, there i just wanted to do that okay so okay you flip the coin all right i'm gonna flip it okay. i gotta google it first oh wait should i flip it no okay. you got the keyboard get, yeah that's, get the true. Keys that's out. true that's just true. give that's a true. little give a little waiting music while we're getting the kid getting the flip out okay Wow, that's strong. That's strong. It's like a tuba. It's like a tuba. It really out. is. Or it's... like the low register of How a French this? horn. How about this? Oh, it's not even reading. Okay, I thought I was going to do lower, but it just you, didn't even You work. went so low. It yeah. can't even be. It's like dogs are going crazy there we right go. now. Okay, there we go. Okay, anyway. That's, that's good. We got it. Um, It's, uh, okay, call it. Tails. It's heads. Ah, uh, you pick, you pick. Are you pro or are you con? For this debate, I'm going to pick con. Okay. Are you okay with doing the pro here? Oh yeah, definitely. Maybe she definitely. believes the pro or maybe she doesn't. You'll have to wait and see. Three minutes begin okay. now. Dear students, I say to you that there is no reason to think that spiritual things don't have, I mean, that physical objects don't have spiritual power. I brought up the example of um, the body of Elisha. And so we already know that there's biblical precedent for this idea that a holy person, a person who follows after God and does and is called by God to do extraordinary acts, even in death, their power is mm. present with us. The Bible is also full of holy places. So there are holy people and then there are holy places where something different spiritually is happening. Mm-hmm. Like it, it most famously, the city of Jerusalem in the Bible, um, throughout the scriptures, the city of Jerusalem is a an important place in the world where God does business with people, mm. whether or not it's through the temple, the permanent like housing place for the presence of God, or if it's through like the the uh, ministry of Jesus. Jerusalem is important. It's not the same as being in some other part of the world. There are places in the Bible where you're not supposed to wear shoes. Mm. There are places where you can't look directly at someone or something. Places where something really special has happened. So the Bible already gives us that precedent. Mm -hmm. What I want to argue today is that we have ideological reasons that are specific to our cultural moment in time why we reject this. Mm. So we put on 
And we we hold up scientific ways of knowing, which, by the way, are not infallible, um, or above spiritual ways of knowing. So we reject the idea that objects could have spiritual power if we do that, if we reject that. We're in danger of putting, like, a style of knowledge that is actually pretty new. Empiricism, this idea where you, like, employ the scientific method in order to know something, that's a young idea in the history of ideas in a lot of ways. So we, we put that idea above other ways of knowing in the world, ways of knowing that are actually written about in the Bible and experienced by the church over time, we risk missing some important things that are happening in the world. So the real question is, why are we so allergic to the idea that the spiritual world exists and is real? I mean, there's a traditional song that I grew up singing. Maybe you all did too. This is holy ground where we sing about this is holy ground. Are we just saying that this is not holy ground, right? Do we believe in the resurrection? Do we believe that even though people are gone, they are present and living in the presence of God? Then I think we have room for the idea that some places and certainly um, some people, there is there is spiritual power. And I just want to bring it back to the resurrection for a second. If we believe that Elisha is living in the presence of God, it's not that far of a stretch to think that like some part of his person also has this um, imprint of the presence of God in his life. And with that, I make my case. Dang. It's always a flex to end like 10 minutes, 10 seconds. <laughs> like take that. Mostly it's anxiety. Take that. I don't even need it. <laughs> you take it with your weak <laughs> argument. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I guess. Go. Christians not just can distinguish between faith and superstition, but Christians must distinguish (laughs) between faith and superstition and magical beliefs. Admittedly, and I do admit this, this is a distinction that could get hazy. I was once on a hike with my daughter who's now in middle school, but she was in fourth grade then. She asked me what the difference was between uh, religion and superstition. And I, I, I gave her like a one hour meandering answer and I wasn't (laughs) totally convinced about the answer. Um, but People can and do accuse Christians of having magical beliefs without any foundation in reality. And we want to affirm, I think, that faith is not just gullibility. It's not just believing in anything, for sure. There is a difference. Yes, there are some moments from the Bible and from the history of faith where objects have taken on a charged or spiritual power. But I think... You know, in the Bible, hey, I'm not arguing with God. If it happened, it happened. There's a story in 2 Kings where some people throw a body on Elisha. There are other things in the New Testament where people are healed by a piece of clothing that touched one of the apostles or by their shadow or something. Totally on board, right? But I think where we maybe as Christians have room to question or ask what's happening is in this in the history of faith after the Bible, let's say. And obviously this bleeds into another debate which we've had about the extent to which God works in the world today. I mean, I guess in a way it's like, I'll, I'll even hinge part of my argument on just asking you as students to like consult your own experience with this. Mm. Like what have you actually seen and what's real? I know that that can't be the final arbiter of truth, but you know, empiricism, what you experience with your senses. I mean, God's given us our senses too. And, and reason, what do your, what do your senses and your reason actually tell you? Okay. Um, I think what happens in our world today when objects seem to take on a certain kind of power is this. We have emotions. They're real. They're strong. We have real hopes, joys, anxieties, fears. We associate those with objects. Objects, inevitably, and I think this is a good thing, Like Mm -hmm, especially mm -hmm. those objects with a deep symbolism and meaningful experience in our lives. This is definitely powerful, but this is different from saying that there's some kind of spiritual charge inside of an object, okay? For some of us, you know, it's just going to be a bridge too far to cross that to cross to say that like a handkerchief or a piece of wood that's supposed to be a piece of the cross or touched a saint or a piece of, uh, you know, touched a piece that touched a piece that touched a piece of the cross, that these are real in this sense. And I think, and I will say, 
I think it hurts faith to try to force oneself to believe in something like this. It doesn't help it. There's a lot of fakery and charlatan, charlatanry. 30 Is that seconds. a word around this? 30 seconds. You have people on TV selling like faith charge objects. I know this probably isn't the kind of TV that a lot of you watch, but this is popular stuff. Like there are TV and, and like Christian TV and infomercials, which try to sell, you know, blessed water and objects and things. And you know, people trying to do stuff with, I've heard stuff about like graves, like going to grave sites and trying to somehow get like an, an anointing or some mantle of a dead. And it's like, I just say on balance, this kind of belief hurts faith more than it helps it. Even if it's real in some exceedingly odd circumstances. <laughs> okay. 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 okay, okay. Um, I want to say something that I really liked in your argument. If okay, that's, okay, if please, that's okay. please. Mm -hmm. Um, first, I think your your argument that scripture. I mean, what is scripture? And this is against my own argument. So, <laughs> I, what is scripture if it's not a pattern for our own lives, right? Well, and the pattern does suggest, like you said, that there are certain places or things where you know it's like even a place can have like a spiritual charge of some. Um, kind and, and your point about like scientific ways of knowing being not infallible and, and so on. It's like, I think, yeah, I mean there, and you know, that's, that's, uh, that's compelling. It's true. It's like, we wouldn't just want to say, oh, because I know that mir you, you, you don't want to get involved in circular reasoning, which would be like, I know that miracles aren't real because, you know, I know that things, objects can't be charged because I know that that sort of thing isn't real. And because right, I know that kind of yeah. thing is real, I know that it can't happen. And because I know it can happen, it's not real. It's like you could get into a loop, which empiricism could put you into. And, and you're saying, Hey, why not break out of that? Yeah. Well, I'm and yeah. Cause I think that one of the things is that in, like the scientific method as a, as a whole, isn't mm. really built to detect that stuff. So it's like, if you, you kind of find what you're looking for in a sure. lot of ways. Sure. So yes, I totally agree with that. One point that I think you made super well, which I was a little bit hoping you wouldn't make because, oh, because yes. it lands so well yes. is that is the idea that it could potentially be bad for witness because it's certainly true that there are, I actually do watch this stuff for fun. Oh, I, no, watch, I, I know you do. You know, I do. You're, I watch you're televangelists. You're a scholar of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Who are, basically cheating people in a lot of ways out of their hard-earned cash as a way of like telling people that, you know, donating to some sort of magical something or other right. is in fact a way of worshiping God. So I'm sensitive to that. And I think you made a really good point about it being bad for the Christian witness. So, well, yeah. and it's true. And, and there, you know, in the example that you brought up and I'm still inhabiting my, my voice here in the debate is, yes. you know, I think that the Catholic church has made a lot of money off of this kind of stuff too. Um, they've not always maybe hawked it on TV in ways that seem as gross as some of the things that we're talking about, <laughs> but it's like, there's a real, there's like an economics of this and it just, it's very, don't you think it's very suspicious? Oh yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, if there's any kind of powerful anything, then that power has the potential to be abused. Mm. So there are actually big stories like where, um, relics and reliquaries were so valuable and so politically important that people did all sorts of maneuvering and even resulted in like violence sometimes mm -hmm. to make sure that a community kept it or or did not keep mm -hmm. any some sort of form of spiritual power and then it also became like a um a point of cultural conflict like if if a particular group of people have a saint that's very important to them if you're like mm -hmm. a a, a dominating people you might like right. take that away right. as a way of demoralizing people but i actually i mean to me that doesn't mean that it the 
that that isn't a problem for my argument, I don't think, because the thing is, just because something is abused doesn't mean you should throw out the whole thing. So there's no need to throw, the, as they say, the baby out with the bathwater. Who would even do such a thing? Because every part of Christianity is about power. Like, right. it's the power of God, the power of salvation. Sure. So it's like, if you say that one thing, just because it can be abused, gets right. thrown out, well, okay, then but I'm kind of like, well, I know, but then I'm, we should throw out baptism, we I should know. throw out all kinds of things. But what I'm saying is, like, if you have something, like, even if it's real, though, it's like, what's what's then the Christian, like, duty about emphasis if something is 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 hurting on balance why not just like not emphasize it not talk about it and then if it happens if 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 an object comes up and it happens like awesome if god speaks in that way but like not to like formalize the system in some way because then then it's true that it's all about it's true that so many things everything has power in it somewhere but like you wouldn't just want to like open things up to such naked abuses of oh power. see well i'll i'll turn that around and say i think what you see on tv is unregulated um abuse like forms of that. So like if you're just some random person who can call yourself a bishop and you get up there and you say, I'm selling hankies that have whatever spirit power, like that's, those are like in this day and age, I think those are the most prominent issues of abuse because there's no system to it. So say for example, you have a winter ski jacket and you think this, you see the face of a saint on it, which has, by the way, happened. And you want to claim that there's some sort of spiritual power associated with it. If you're Roman Catholic, there's actually like a huge system in place to investigate and validate or invalidate that. So I actually think that the system ideally manages some of that stuff to where you don't get the abuses. That's my own. Yeah. A system could totally help with abuses. That is an important distinction uh, to make, but you, you, even if it's not like, even if the people like on, say on that committee to determine if something's real yeah. or not, there's always an, there, even if it's not expressed, even if it's not explicit, there's always a sense that there's some kind of economics tied to it. And because these things are, are things that are sold. Right. Mm. And I think that, that, you know, it doesn't mean it's, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's fake. It just means that it's, it's tied to something that, is it, it would be hard to make a totally objective decision about something like that. Well, I think that's so great, a uh, great point to bring up. And I think my counterpoint to that would be name one thing that is not attached to material value in some sort of way. So then it's just like, what what else should we not have just because it can be in some way monetized or prof- made profitable or not profitable? That's that's fair. I there Well, now that you bring it up, I would say a lot of things actually. Really? But yeah, I mean, I, I think this, this has invaded our lives in a way that makes church, you know, it's like, it's like, I want to go to church. Like I don't want to go to a brand on Sunday. You know what I mean? I don't Mm want to go to a product Mm -hmm. like, and I think just because something inevitably creeps in like human error, like all of our observations are in error in some way. So it's like, well, should we stop making all observations? No. But like you say, (laughs) we can have systems to determine (laughs) Which kinds of observations are true and which are false? Well, okay, let me use that as an example. So if you if if we say that something like, say, worship music can be monetized, right. so should we just stop doing it or stop thinking that it's good just because we've often seen it like branded and probably over monetized and be frankly used as manipulative like spiritually? I, I'm like, oh no, we shouldn't throw it out. We should just be aware of it. I, I believe we should be aware of it. And I think in certain circumstances <laughs> it should be thrown out. Absolutely. So we'll see. Okay. The famous example of that was like the heart. Remember that song about I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it was I'm meant to be, this is for your parents, children. Um, but it was meant to be like, I played this, this kind in a youth of group like, back in the day. Oh yeah. It was course. meant to be a callback to simplicity. And then there were like all these overblown covers that 
that were made, which is super ironic because the idea was we were throwing out all that big branded stuff, oh. getting back to the root. I, can I tell you this story? <laughs> Please. I was once it's in a story co- time. When Theo. I first came to faith, I learned how to play guitar and Aww. me and this other guy, we did worship together Yeah. Oh. for the, for the small group, like 10 yeah. people. Yeah. And heart of worship was really popular at that time. The lyrics are like, you know, when the music fades and yeah. all is stripped away, I yeah. simply come. And it's like, it's like a song about like, let's get rid of all the pretension and stuff. And I remember he and I were like having some argument during kind of like shooting <laughs> daggers with our eyes at yeah. each other during the song about like who is supposed to be playing which that part. That is awesome. During, as we're like the heart of worship. <laughs> like, like, I hate that him. guy. And we're like looking at each other. I mean, that we were friends, awesome. but we were having this like problem. I love that. Okay. Dr. Payne, what is your real life? The real you, the real Leah. The real me. Mm-hmm. I was actually arguing from a position that I hold. I think I, I'm I'm into the idea that some things, some places mm-hmm. have have a particular spiritual power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think places and and objects. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, why not? I guess yeah. a place is a kind of an object in a sense. Yeah, and I think maybe some students might be able to imagine if 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 you just thought what I said sounded so weird. Think about like if you have a family Bible, like mm-hmm. do you think that there's something different about that book, mm-hmm. or do you think that it's just like you could just throw it on the ground or burn it or like any kind of yeah, like, because objects don't matter. Who cares? If, if objects don't matter, then what would be the problem with that? So I think that most Christians have some sort of idea that there are some things that are special and that there's actually spiritual power in it. And I'm one of them. Okay. What about you? I, Dr. Doke. This is a tough one for me. I, I have kind of like mixed ambiguous feelings about this. I know oh, students, great. that's not satisfying to, to be like, yes, I believe. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I think that, Here's what I think is awesome about the charged object relic thing. There's a a connection there to this idea of incarnation, which is such an important Christian doctrine. The idea that God became physical reality. Mm -hmm. And if God became physical reality in the person of Jesus Christ, to have that connection to the physical world and to the the communion of saints, the history. Yeah. I think that that alone might be enough to justify the belief, even if it's not quote unquote real. I think that using relics, like Mm -hmm. the way that the church does in, in the artifact and so on, or having um, objects or places, I think, I think maybe even if we can't decide whether they're real or not, it is actually real because it's real in a different sense and it teaches us important things. So that's kind of like a mixed answer. I have definitely been in places where I felt like suddenly God was there. Wow. But I, but I cannot say that like it was somehow. I just don't know how to think or talk about the idea that it was God was like inherently in that place versus not in that place two hours beforehand when I was driving to the place. Right, right. It was like, it almost makes God seem too anthropomorphic to use a fancy term or human-like where it's like, okay, maybe God is just everywhere, but it's my awareness. Like there's there's a passage in, in scripture too. I think this is also in Second Kings, weirdly, where one of the prophets like Elijah or Elisha tells a king, like he opens his eyes, like in the spiritual realm mm, and he sees mm-hmm. the army of God. Well, oh, okay, I love that the story. The angels, yeah. they were there. Or Jacob in the book of Genesis, he wakes up and he sees these angels ascending and descending. Mm-hmm. And he says- Jacob says, oh my, he's like, God was in this place and I didn't know it. And I think that that's probably like the real reality. Like this very room, this very podcasting space is like charged with God, but I'm not having an experience like that now, but that doesn't mean it's not there. Right. So it's, I think that pushes the, the issue of the perception onto me. 
Right. Not onto just like an object or a place, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think that pr I would guess that there are a lot of students who will be who will pick up what you're putting down right there. Um, and I'm really curious to see what you all students think of it. Thank mm -hmm. you so much to the student who sent that awesome yep. prompt to us. Yep. Students, we can't wait to hear from you and the pop culture smackdown.